Welcome to the High Frequency Females podcast. I'm Tiana Walker and I want to thank you for tuning in and as always thank you for taking the time for yourself. If you're here on this journey with us it's because you want to raise your vibration and live the life you want and the life that you deserve. With that in mind it means we all need to heal face our shadow selves and educate ourselves so we can become the people we've always wanted to be. This podcast is a collaboration of inspiring and empowering women and human beings who will help us along in our journey. I'm not going to pretend I'm perfect because I'm on this journey with you and I'm going to keep it real as I know I'll screw things up along the way with you. And hey, we're all human, right? Well, I guess we're all spiritual beings having a human experience, but hey, that's woo-woo for you. This space is completely free of judgment and is full of acceptance and healing. So take what you need, leave what you don't, and enjoy the High Frequency Females podcast. Hello, all you high-frequency females and human beings. Thank you for joining me and thank you for taking the time for yourself. What is your relationship with alcohol? For myself, growing up in Australia, it's a really big drinking culture here, as probably the whole world knows. It's also very weird for people to understand when you tell them, I'm not drinking tonight or for whatever reason that is, it's almost like you say, oh no, I'm okay to the beverage and they're like, I'll get you a champagne or I'll get you a beer or I'll get you a vodka, whatever it is, but they just can't understand that you've chosen not to drink. It's weird. (laughs) And, you know, looking back, I probably would have thought the same thing too. But over the last two years, my drinking has significantly decreased. I hardly ever drink unless it's a wedding, the races or a special occasion. And I know a few of my friends are probably going to listen to this and they're like, no, I saw you drinking a couple of weeks ago. But it's only because it's a wedding or the races. I don't drink um, on the weekends rarely. And during the week, I couldn't even think of anything worse mainly because of why I chose not to. Now, the reason I stopped drinking every weekend was more because I could see the big impact it was doing on mental health, more specifically my anxiety. So for me, recording this episode uh, with Sarah Rusbatch, it was really eye-opening and it made me better understand that there are so many more levels and grey areas between sobriety but all the way through to being labelled as an alcoholic. Think of it, what do you consider as an alcoholic? There's so many levels between that, like it's it's crazy. So Sarah is an ex binge drinker, probably like us all, and she's also a certified grey area drinking coach. Sarah has created a beautiful support network for women to help support each other through their 30-day alcohol-free challenge and also on their journey of living an alcohol-free life. She's truly incredible and you can hear throughout this episode how mind-blown I was on so many different occasions because there was just so much I didn't quite understand. 
So I'm just so mind blown and it's made me even reevaluate my thoughts about alcohol and my body and, you know, what impact it has on mental health when you actually are thinking, oh, it's going to relieve my stress or anxiety and what impact that actually has long term for you. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. So enjoy and let's get to know Sarah. We have the amazing Sarah on with us today and just stalking her social media and her website. What she's doing is so powerful, powerful for women and powerful for human beings and what she does. Oh, I'm in awe of the human being and what she's creating. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And can you just explain what grey area drinking is and what, you know, how many Australians not so much suffer but are going through this without even realising? Yeah. So grey area drinking is a term that is quite recent because I think up until recently the conversation around alcohol has been you're an alcoholic or you're a social drinker. But it's really damaging to put people in one of those two categories, because if they don't identify as being an alcoholic, which most people don't, because we all have this stereotype. Okay, let me ask you, what what if you have a stereotype of an alcoholic, what is it? A, a drunk, I guess, someone that, you know, drinks. I know people, some are functioning alcoholics where they can still work, but yeah, it's almost like their life's in shambles, I guess. Totally. So we, yeah, we think of an alcoholic as being someone who drinks every day. Maybe they're homeless. Maybe they live on a park bench. Maybe they drink out of a brown paper bag. They've got the shakes all the time. They've lost their job. They've lost their home. They've lost their car. They, 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 they've lost everything because of alcohol. That's what we associate an alcoholic as being. And most of us haven't lost any of that. And so therefore we don't go, I don't give myself that label. So even though I drink a lot and I drink too much, I'm not an alcoholic, so therefore I must be okay. But that's not the case. There are loads of people who are not okay, but they don't give themselves the label alcoholic. So gray area drinking is, if you think about someone drinking as being on a scale of one to 10, one is someone very rarely drinks, maybe has a glass of champagne at a wedding to toast the bride and groom, that's it. 10, end stage physical dependency, We can actually die from withdrawal from alcohol. It's one of only three substances in the world that the human body can die from withdrawal. And so if someone is that heavily addicted, they need to have medical support to stop drinking. So that's a one and a 10. They're very extreme and not many people fit into those categories. I think of gray area drinking as being between a five and an eight on that scale. Yeah. And how did you sort of even discover this? And when did you come to that realisation? Or was it like a gradual thing that you were like, oh, this is not serving me right in my life? Yeah, for me, it was pretty gradual. I'd always been a big drinker. I'd always been Sarah the party girl. I was always the one that was the last woman standing at every party you ever went to. I was always the one that on a camping trip was cracking open the beers at 11am. I was always the one that would be getting an Uber and was never driving. But I, but prior to um, the more recent years, it was something I did socially. It wasn't really something I did on my own. What happened after I had kids was it became something I did on my own. And there was a catalogue of things that happened for me. Um, 
I moved from the UK to Australia with my son when he was nine months old and my husband. And I got pregnant again straight away. So very quickly, I had two under two with no family, no friends. I wasn't working anymore. And I'd gone from having a very successful career that had really defined me in many ways. And I wasn't doing that anymore. And I was homesick and I was lonely and I was bored and I was unfulfilled. And no one had prepared me that I might feel like that. And don't get me wrong, I loved my babies to death, but I also was not prepared for how different I would feel mentally for having not working anymore and not getting that sense of satisfaction of going out and closing deals and wearing my nice suits and doing these nice restaurant dinners with my girlfriends every night. And I wasn't doing any of that. I was at home. I was cleaning up baby sick. I was singing blooming nursery rhymes all day. I was getting up through the night to nurse and to feed. And I was so homesick. And so what happened for me was that wine then became a friend. And wine became something that in the moment made me feel like those problems weren't there anymore. In the moment, it made all those feelings go away because that's what alcohol does. It's a depressant and it's a sedative. So it dulls us down and it makes uncomfortable emotions numb. But the problem is that it works until it stops working. Mm -hmm. And for me, the problem with alcohol is it's addictive um, and we build up tolerance. So what starts off as one or two glasses becomes the bottle. And before I knew it, I was sometimes opening the second bottle. And I that was starting to impact my sleep. I was waking up at 3 a.m. I couldn't get back to sleep. I would wake up at 3 a.m. with the horrors. Like there is no worse a time in the world than 3 a.m. after a night of drinking when you told yourself you weren't going to drink the night before. But here you are again, full of shame and remorse and regret, saying, I've just got to try harder. I've got to do better. Right, I'm not drinking tonight. And then by five o'clock, you're pouring another glass of wine and you're just in that vicious cycle. And my mental health started to really, really suffer. I was getting anxiety. I'd never had anxiety in my life. I was ruminating over things. I was worrying about what people thought of me. I was going over and over things that I might have said and how they might have been interpreted by other people. And was I making a dick of myself all the time? And did those people like me? And, oh, no, what if that was misinterpreted the wrong way? And it was destroying me. And I went to my GP and I was like, I'm a mess. Like, I can't get my shit together at all. And at no point did she ask me, how much are you drinking? Didn't even come up. She happily wrote me a prescription for anti-anxiety meds, but never once asked me, how much are you drinking? And in me, there was something that just clicked and was kind of a bit like, I need to change my drinking. And that was 2017. So I decided to take a break. I said, I'm going to take 21 days and... I did 100 because I was like, oh, my God, this is what it's like to wake up clear headed every day. This is what it's like to have no anxiety and to feel positive and happy and energized and get eight hours sleep and be a good mom and be a good friend and be a good wife and exercise every day. And it was just like, holy shit, this is this is me that doesn't drink. And I'd always thought that me that didn't drink would be boring and dull and oh gosh, I don't like sober people. Those people are weird. And it was like, gosh, this is amazing. But it got to the end of the 100 days and I went, oh, I can't never drink again. That would just be weird. I am Sarah the party girl, (laughs) but it's fine because now I've done 100 days, I'll be able to moderate now. So now I'll be one of those people that can just have a glass every now and then because surely I don't have a problem because I've just taken 100 days off and people that have a problem can't do that. 
So I'm fine. Within two weeks, I was drinking the same amount as before. And so, because that's how it works. I have a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol. I can't moderate. I always drink more than I intend to. And there's a real neurological reason for that. It's not that I don't have willpower. It's not that I'm not strong enough, even though that was the story I was telling myself for such a long time. So I tried to moderate for two years. I was taking breaks. I was going back to drinking. I was taking breaks. I was going back to drinking. But I never, ever forgot that version of me when she didn't drink. And I loved her. And I wanted her more than I wanted the version of me that drinks. So in the end, I had a decision to make. And in April 2019, so three and a half years ago, I said, I'm not going to drink again. And I haven't. Wow. Now that's a massive, massive achievement to even just have that mindset and that determination to choose that for yourself. I'm getting teary just actually thinking about it because it is so powerful so powerful but but the alternative was I was just miserable like I was miserable when I was drinking and although I didn't want to let go of my alcohol because society dictates that we should have it at every occasion that we ever have in our life I just knew that I had to make this choice for me for my kids for my life for 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 the you know I'd only drank I was 43 when I stopped drinking and I'd been drinking since I was 14 mm-hmm. and I was like, I've only ever done life one way. Yeah. And, and I've been told that that's the way to do it. But what if there's another way and what if that way is better? Mm-hmm. And it turns out for me, it has been. Yeah. And both in the UK and Australia, there is big drinking cultures. Huge. Like we, like you go to a pub and the Aussies and the, the people from the UK will out drink pretty much everyone we're binge drinkers we start drinking very young I know the first time I started drinking I was 14 as well the fruity Alexia that comes in the carton in Australia it's yeah (laughs) Yeah. goon bags (laughs) oh I when I was backpacking around Australia when I was 23 so this was like 2001 we just used to buy those cask wines in those bags and because they were the cheapest um oh my god the hangovers I used to get from that Mm-hmm. And they were about, I think, $7 or something yes. for this like huge. And um, in Australia, we call them goon, which is, and then we even pull them out and you play goon fortune. And Australia, very big drinking culture. How, like, do your friends and your family, how did they react to the decision for you to, you know, stop drinking? Were they supportive? What did you find people were shocked? Like looking back, there's so much I could have done to to make it easier for myself because I didn't. So when I took that first break in 2017, I just said, I'm taking a break. I'm just detoxing. I want to lose a bit of weight. So I never told anyone the impact that it was having on my mental health because I was ashamed. Because we're told that alcohol is something we should be able to drink in moderation. We should just be able to enjoy it every now and then. And it had started to control me. And I was ashamed of that. So I didn't want to tell people. So I didn't go out there and and be honest and open about what my issues were. And so because of that, people didn't really know how to take it. So some people, some of my friends were amazing. And some of my friends were just a bit like, well, well, let's catch up when you're drinking again. Mm. Because 
they didn't know how to be around me not drinking because I was Sarah the drinker, right? And so my whole identity was tied up with me and alcohol. And many of my friends didn't really know who I was without it. I didn't know who I was without it. So no one knew how to treat me and I didn't know how I wanted to be treated. And so it was hard because I would sometimes see on social media that things had happened that I hadn't been invited to. And I would think, did that happen? Was I not invited because I'm not drinking? But then I would have to reflect on that and go, but when I was drinking, I probably wouldn't have invited someone that wasn't drinking because I didn't want to be around a sober person because it just made me feel embarrassed about my drinking. And so, but at the time it was hurtful. And at the time I found it hard, but when they realized that this was a longer journey for me, um, it certainly, some friends, like the friendship changed. Some of my friendships, it's got so much closer. Um, we just do different things together. And I, I, so I can still go out. Some people don't like to be around alcohol. It doesn't bother me at all. I will drive my friends. I will watch them get pissed. When they start repeating themselves and spitting in my face, I go home. And then I just wait and watch all the messages in the WhatsApp group in the morning with them saying how hungover and shit they feel. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I've been for a run and I'm just off for a coffee now and I'm going to a yoga class. And they're all like, oh. And so it's fine. Um, But it just takes a while to adjust. Yeah. And I know we were just speaking off air. It just sort of resonated with me because I don't drink that much I I never have a glass of wine at home um, I only ever drink if it's a wedding or if it's an event but there is that one extreme to the other because I I don't just have you know one or two toast it is that yeah I'm drinking to get drunk yeah. and that's my friends are exactly the same yeah. So what does that do to our brains? What is that connection oh with mindset? Um, there's so much that happens that, that is only just now starting to be talked about. So research now shows that um, when we drink alcohol, because alcohol is a depressant, it has this massive impact on the, the, the equilibrium um, in our brains. So we have this what's called homeostasis, and that's where all of your brain's neurotransmitters are at exactly the level that they need to be at for our brain to function optimally. As soon as we drink alcohol, it's a depressant and a sedative. So we get this huge kind of injection of those neurotransmitters on the depressant side. And because the brain can't bear the, the lack of homeostasis, our own body then produces um, more of the stress hormone cortisol to counter the impact of the depressant of the alcohol. So, But the problem is that the alcohol wears off and then we're left with excess stress hormone cortisol in our body, leaving us feeling more stressed and anxious than before we even picked up a drink. So then after one drink, the alcohol wears off, we're feeling a little bit stressed and anxious, and then we reach for another drink to take away the impact of the first drink. Wow, that's crazy. And I I don't know about you, but I suffer from anxiety even without alcohol. So I noticed that if I have a big night, that affects my anxiety for over a week. Totally. It's nightmares, it's panic attacks, it's it's horrible. Absolutely debilitating at some points as well. Yeah, and the the irony is that so many of us are using alcohol to relieve anxiety because it's an immediate effect it does that without realizing that it causes the baseline of, of cortisol in our body to increase so we're left feeling more stressed and anxious than before we drank yeah that the other thing that happens is we get 
when we drink, we have a massive surge in serotonin, the happy hormone, and then it massively drops. And then we are left with a decreased sense of well-being. So we feel even worse. And that's why alcohol is linked to depression. Yeah, that that's crazy. It's, it's mind-blowing to, you know, you think you are at the end of the day having a glass of wine to, you know, de-stress, decompress, and it's essentially working against you. I know. And, and, and this is what we need to be talking about this more because so many people don't understand this. And this is how I work with my clients because most women, we're juggling so much, right? Women in their middle ages are usually, you know, raising kids, running um, a house, perhaps working full time or at least part time. Maybe we've got aging parents that we're having to look after. We've got this pressure to still look good, to go to the gym, to cook home cooked meals, to make the book club outfit from scratch to have a great social life. You know, the pressure on women is so intense. And I read something the other day that said men drink to enhance a good night, women drink for oblivion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just says it all, doesn't it? It really does. And so what I do with my clients is we we build them a toolkit of what else can they do to manage stress outside of alcohol. Yeah. And it's also Breast Cancer Month here in Australia as well. And I saw on your social media the link between breast cancer and cancers with alcohol. I've yeah. never so even alcohol, that. Yeah, it directly causes seven types of cancer. Wow. And the most prominent is breast cancer. For every 10 grams of alcohol that we consume, 10 grams is a small glass of wine, a very small glass of wine. Um, we increase our chance of breast cancer by between 4 and 13%. Wow. For wow. one glass. Wow. That just, yeah, it's mind-blowing. It really is. What's even more, though, what astonishes me is why is this information not more widely shared? Yes. Why are women so directly targeted by the alcohol companies? Because it's been since the direct targeting of women that there has been an increase in the number of women dying of liver-related conditions um, and other conditions related to um, alcohol abuse. Yeah. And it is. Like, when I look at, even when you go to Dan Murphy's and you're walking through, they they put the pretty labels on it. They they just want everything to be so, so aesthetically pleasing. And then you look through social media and every every couple of posts someone's got a drink in their hand yeah i like the pink gins and the pink bubbles and um and the alka pops you know like they were only created to get young girls drinking early yeah well it's the same as uh when you have your cruises that's what i yeah, started drinking exactly. on was the vodka cruises yeah. they were the sweet colors they were pretty they were pink they were red they were yellow they were sweet they didn't even taste like they had a drop of alcohol That's in like them. Fruit juice, exactly. And it's dangerous. So in your yeah. dream world, what sort of education would you love to get out there and, and how? How can we make it so well known? Doing, I mean, sometimes it feels like I'm fighting an uphill battle, but there are, it's not just me. There are more people talking about this more widely. I want to get into schools yeah. and I want, and look, my whole mission is not to say you must never drink alcohol, alcohol's bad. 
But it's about informing people because if I'd known that alcohol was causing my anxiety, if I'd known the increased risk of breast cancer from the amount of alcohol that I was drinking, if I'd known that alcohol was destroying my gut health, if I'd known that alcohol was changing the neural pathways in my brain to make things, um, they've done research now that has shown people that drink habitually, not a lot, but just consistently and habitually create neural pathways that mean that they are very um, less open to change. Wow. So become very, very just set in their ways. This is what I do. This is how I've always done it. This is how my life is. And the thing that I noticed the most when I stopped drinking was my whole world just opened up because I was open to change. I was open to trying new things. I was more confident to try new things. Like everything started to open up more. And it's so funny because we think a life without alcohol will be boring. But now I look back and I go, my life with alcohol was boring. I did the same thing all the time. My life revolved around when I was next getting pissed, recovering from getting pissed, planning the next time to get pissed, fitting in a job and some exercise in between. And that was kind of my life. And it was pretty, at the time it felt like it was great, but looking back now, I can see that there's so much more to life. Yeah. And I just love, I I think I saw it on your website where it's from piss to purpose. I just, that whole just sentence, I love so much and so you work with women and like coaching and everything like that so what do you sort of work on if someone were to come through they've recognized where they're at and want help what what sort of steps do we take the 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 first step is is wanting to change and the first step is getting over that hurdle and the mission that i live by is in sharing the message you don't have to be an alcoholic to decide to stop drinking You can make that decision where you realize that alcohol is in some way not serving you and just see it as an experiment. I don't ask everyone to say, right, I'm never drinking again. I support my ladies to see it as an experiment, take a break from alcohol and see how they feel. The second thing I do is I do it in groups because there is something so powerful in doing it alongside a group of other women. Because when you're doing it on your own and everyone else around you is still drinking, you feel so lonely and it feels so hard. Whereas I do it, I run challenges four times a year. So I've got one going at the moment. I've just done my um, day 13 talk about an hour ago and there's 300 women in this group and they're all over the world, America, UK, Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, Singapore, and everyone is supporting each other. So you've got one lady and she'll go in there and she'll put a message in the group and go, oh my God, my husband's driving me nuts. The kids are doing my head in. I really want to have a drink tonight. And within seconds, you have got 300 women sending you a message going, don't do it, you can do this. Go for a walk, go run a bath, um, go distract yourself, go and pour an alcohol-free drink. And to know that you've got that support and accountability and camaraderie with others is the secret to the success And I've now helped thousands of women to stop drinking. And and it has been through the success of creating these groups where people feel safe to be open, honest and vulnerable and to support each other. Um, And then the the next thing is starting to just really openly support people. in this is how you socialize without booze. This is how you manage your stress without booze. This is what you're going to experience in the first week. And this is what's really normal. Here are some really good podcast episodes. Here's some really good books. Here's um, a really good app to download that helps you to monitor your feelings each day. Like I give them daily support every day to get them through those first 30 days. Yeah. And what you said about community is, is like I said, it's so powerful. Everything you're doing is yeah. so powerful because we do things as a society, as a group, 
we want that reinforcement and that positive reinforcement that can really drive us to say you can do it. Totally. And I had um, an interview going, Mamma Mia, yes. the um, online article. And um, since that interview's gone live, 8,000 women have reached out to me. Yeah. And every single one has said the same thing. And that every single one has said, you've just told my story. Yeah. And it is a story of women getting to the point where they're stressed, they're anxious and they're lonely mm-hmm. and alcohol becomes a friend. And why have we got a society where so many women are feeling like that? Definitely. And especially after the pandemic where we were locked at home, we were coping with so much stress and uncertainty. So there were a lot of people that were relying on alcohol, myself included. Yeah, totally. And I was I was never a drinker, like I said, that would never come home. I don't have a glass of wine, but I was bored. I had nothing else to do. Uh, like, it's just my partner and I. So we just started drinking. Totally. So many people did. You're not alone there. Um, I've got clients who are in Melbourne. They were allowed out of their homes an hour a day yeah. for months on end. Like, and the thing is that your drinking creeps up. Alcohol's addictive. You say to yourself, oh, it's okay. I'll just cut back. I'll just stop as soon as the pandemic's over. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the end of the pandemic. Life returns to normal. And they're like, shit, I can't stop. Yeah. It's crazy. And just with the whole pandemic and people not being able to socialise normal, and a lot of people have developed sort of social anxiety. And I've noticed friends that have never really drank a lot before are the same. Like they feel that they're stressed, they can't socialise, they can't, you know, have those conversations. So their crutch is alcohol. And... So when you're learning, uh, you know, how to socialise again with people, how do you socialise with alcohol? What are your, your takeaways from that? One of the biggest um, things, the, one of the biggest realisations that many of my clients have when they stop drinking is they go, oh, I'm actually an introvert. I actually don't like people. and I actually don't like parties. And I actually don't like really big group gatherings. And that's why I've got pissed at every single one I've ever gone to because I find it really hard because I'm an introvert and and being in big group situations like that isn't great for me. So what it does is it allows us to work out, well, how do I like to socialise? Is it one-on-one or small groups? Is it that I don't like being in bars and I'd rather go out for a really nice breakfast or go out for a hike? or like it, it, And that's what sobriety gives you is the opportunity to go, I don't have to do it how I've always been told it has to be done. I can create my own rules around my social life and my friendship groups and how I want to spend my time and who I want to do it with. And we're also conditioned to believe that oh, having a, a good social life means that you've got stuff in the diary every Friday and Saturday night. You have to get dressed up. You have to be in a bar. You have to be taking photos of yourself that you're putting all over social media saying, look how popular I am. Look at all the places I go to. And it's all just bullshit. You can choose what your social life looks like. And quite frankly, if you want to be in bed at nine o'clock on a Saturday night, that's perfectly okay. Like we've got to get away from this whole comparison of this is what we should be doing. And instead just start listening to ourselves. What do I actually want to do? Yeah. And since you've stopped drinking, what are the biggest changes you've seen physically in yourself? So just before I stopped drinking, I um, had gone to my naturopath because I was having um really severe menstrual problems and he had done a hormone test and he said to me your estrogen is so high it's off the chart you need to do a liver detox 
And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't understand that there was a link between estrogen and alcohol, which now I know. Um, so I had really strong estrogen dominance. Um, I don't have that anymore. Um, I've lost weight. My, I've probably aged backwards by about 10 years. Um, I am fitter than I've ever been. I'm stronger than I've ever been because there's absolutely no point, it turns out, in going to the gym five times a week if you're drinking a bottle or two of wine most nights. So now my body is actually able to repair and recover. Um, I sleep really well. I have so much more energy and I have so much more time because when you're not drinking, thinking about drinking or recovering from drinking, you kind of end up with so much time. And with that time, I have studied, I have devoured so many books and podcasts. I've gone on my own journey of, of self-growth and development. I've retrained as a women's health coach, a gray area drinking coach. I've set up and launched my business and I'm only just getting started. I can't wait to see what you do next because it's it really has changed my mindset even having this conversation following you on social media checking out your website listening to you on other podcasts just it's really made me think about my relationship with alcohol very much so so you've definitely changed so many different women across the world's lives and really making them think about their drinking habits yeah and because the fact of the matter is that for women particularly once we've hit those perimenopause years, once we're over 40, our estrogen is fluctuating anyway. Um, because that's the other thing that I wanted to share with you is that there are actually three ways in which a woman's body metabolizes alcohol differently to a man. Mm -hmm. So number one is women's body actually has less water than a man's. Mm -hmm. So because we have less water, we don't dilute as much of the alcohol. So more, a higher content of the alcohol goes into our bloodstream. Second thing is that women actually contain, we actually produce less of the enzyme that metabolizes alcohol. So there's an, an enzyme called um, alcohol dehydrogenase and women produce less of it. So again, we can't break down the alcohol, more of it goes into our bloodstream. Third thing, depending on the time of the month and how much estrogen we have in our blood that day will depend on how intoxicated we become from the alcohol. So you can never know one night you might get really pissed on a bottle of wine and the next night you might be sober as a judge and not even really feel like it touched the sides. And that's completely to do with how much estrogen is in your blood that day. Holy shit. Holy yeah. shit. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Wow. And that's why sometimes you get a worse hangover than others. And it's all to do with those fluctuating hormones. But when we have high estrogen in our blood, we don't want to be drinking alcohol, but we can never know that. Because alcohol causes the circulating estrogen to increase by up to 200%. That's where the link to breast cancer comes in. Holy crap. And they, they don't tell us this. No, of course they don't. Wow. I know. Oh, you've just blown my mind. Holy crap. Yeah. Holy crap. So, and this is, this is why I love the opportunity to come onto podcasts and, and, and because to have a platform where you can – at least maybe change one person's life. You know, like it, it's um, to get women to understand that we have been deliberately targeted by alcohol companies for such a long time. And it's not good for us. And I'm not here to say you're terrible if you drink, you must never drink. But I am here to share the facts so that people can make the decision with the information that's available and not having that information kept hidden. Wow. I'm really 
wondering whether I, I've got a bottle of champagne in my fridge that I've had for a while. Maybe I should just start gifting it away. <laughs> to the people you don't like. Yeah, no. <laughs> Good. Yeah, definitely. So if you if you get alcohol from me, you can tell I don't like you. No. <laughs> Wow. And if you could tell your younger self something, what would be the one thing you would tell yourself? You are enough just as you are. You don't need to drink to be more. Wow. And that- I think that so many of us, you get that constant feedback loop. You're so fun when you're drunk. Mm-hmm. And I had that all my life. And so then the story you start telling yourself is, well, I'm boring when I don't drink. So I've got to be fun, Sarah, all the time. And it's not true. No. You know, and, and but 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 you know, this is why I want to start talking in schools to to talk to girls about self-esteem and loving themselves as they are and not needing to be more than and not needing to change themselves or or do anything to just be who they are. Yeah. And that is the biggest struggle that women have is being enough there is so much pressure of you know what society puts on us like should we get married should we not should we have children and there's a lot of women that are choosing not to have children now as well but if you do choose it you still have to somehow run the household do all these things these expectations while still trying to have a career and it's just too much it's too much. I, I heard something the other day, Gabor Mate, who's one of the world's leading addiction experts, he said, there's never been a harder time to be a mother than now since the Second World War. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's true. Like, I don't have children myself and I'm 36, but... I see friends of mine struggling, really struggling to even look at their self-worth, what they want to do career-wise while still being there for their children and not feeling guilty but wanting something for themselves. Totally, totally. And so my motto that I will share with your listeners is the goal is not to be sober. The goal is to love yourself so much you don't need to drink. That's beautiful. You're getting me teary. All tonight. <laughs> I must oh, be near my period or something. No. <laughs> oh wow. Like honestly, just having you on and talking with you has really just it's changed me. It really has. And I know my listeners are really going to take a lot away from what you're saying and the purpose that you have in this world. I see it I see it shine so bright. And I so can't wait to see what you do next because, holy shit, you're a powerful woman. Um, yeah, I've got um, – there's a lot. There's a lot that I I, I hope to do. Um, and like I said, it's, it's not about telling people they can't drink. It's about informing everyone of the information that's out there so that they can start to understand that, you know, we're so led to believe that if we – Um, if we don't drink that life will be boring and life will be awful and it's really not that case Um, and that's what I'm so so passionate about sharing. And so what would your last takeaways of of the grey area and what would you love to get out to the listeners today? So if you're listening to this and you're thinking yeah I fit in that grey area 
And okay, I'll, I'll run you through some of the signs. Let's do that. Of what are the signs that you might be a gray area drinker? So number one, you make rules around your drinking because people that don't have a problem with drinking don't make rules. So I had lots of rules. I wasn't allowed to drink on a Monday and Tuesday. I wasn't allowed to drink before five o'clock. I could only have white wine if it was with dinner. I couldn't drink at lunchtime unless it was Saturday, Sunday out with friends. I wasn't allowed to drink on my own. So I had rules and I often broke them. Second sign, you often drink more than you intend. So you might say, I'm just going to have one or two and you usually finish the bottle. Or you wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to drink tonight. And you find yourself reaching for wine at five o'clock. You've started to have silent conversations with yourself in your head. So you've started to go, "Mm, am I drinking too much? Is this normal how much I'm drinking? Is it normal that I'm thinking about drinking as much as I am? Maybe you've started to have some of the negative physical impacts of alcohol. You're waking at 3 a.m. and you can't get back to sleep. You're noticing that you've got anxiety the next day. You're noticing that you're getting lots of spots along your jawline, which is a sure sign that your liver's not functioning properly. You're irritable all the time. You feel like the way I felt, um, Tiana, was I felt like I was living at five out of ten. And you know what? In the end, I was like, I don't want a five out of ten life. I deserve more than a five out of ten life. And I'm either pissed or hungover most of the time. Because let's remember, it takes 72 hours for alcohol to leave your body. So even though I wasn't drinking every day, I was never really functioning at my optimum because I was still getting over the effects of the last alcohol and I would just be starting to come right and then I'd start drinking again. And so like, really, I just didn't want that five out of 10 life anymore. And if you want more for yourself, then you can get more. Like This is your life, right? This is your opportunity to create the life that you want. And just because everyone around you drinks, you don't have to do that. And if this resonates with you, I say, see it as an experiment. Take a break, see it as an experiment and just notice like, do I sleep better? Is my energy better? Do I wake up more positive? Do I have a clearer mind? Am I more productive at work? Am I a more patient mum? Am I more loving and connected to my partner? Like just notice And then when you've got a decent amount of time under your belt, you can then go, okay, which version of me and my life do I like better? Wow. Yeah, I'm just blown away. I know what I'm choosing. Because I'm fucking fucking amazing without alcohol. Yes, you fucking are. Yeah, we all are. We are. Exactly. And we need to celebrate who we are as human beings exactly. without using something, a tool. We are amazing, wholly just being ourselves. Totally. Exactly. And what alcohol does is it keeps women small. It makes us doubt ourselves. It makes us lose our confidence. We become gossipy. We become bitchy. We become two-faced. Like all of these character traits. And I've been there definitely when I've been under the influence of alcohol. Alcohol did not bring out the best in me. And once I removed it, I was able to truly connect to myself and discover who I was, what my values were, and create a life aligned to them. Yeah. Being that I live in North Queensland, it is ridiculously hot when I'm drinking. Do you know the first thing that comes off? My clothes. And that's not who I am as a human being. I would never do that if I wasn't drinking. Yeah. You know. I'll tell you why that is. The prefrontal cortex, so the part of your brain that's responsible for rational thought, goes to sleep as soon as you drink. Wow. You can't. So so that's why we all do ridiculous things that we would never do 
when we're sober after we've had a few drinks because the prefrontal cortex stops working. Yeah. Well, mine's obviously in a coma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. I have so enjoyed having you on tonight. Thank you for having me. So, I've loved it too. So when where can our listeners find you and get all your wisdom? So I have a free Facebook community called the Women's Wellbeing Collective. That's got about 12,000 women all over the world who are just wonderful, supportive, loving, kind, open, honest. I'm on Instagram. I share a lot of information and resources on Instagram, and that's at Sarah Rusbach. It's R-U-S-B-A-T-C-H. And my website is www.sarahrusbach.com. So I will be running a Sarah's Sober Christmas Tribe, which will be starting on the 1st of November. So anyone that's looking for a sober Christmas, I'm going to be giving support for all of November and December. Those that want to get pissed over Christmas, I'm running a dry January challenge. So either or, take your pick. Nice. Nice. So to all you high-frequency females and human beings, I challenge you just to take a challenge. You've got nothing to lose. Well, that's the thing. What's 30 days? And if we can't do 30 days without alcohol, then we've definitely got a problem. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you more, I think, than you even realise. You've blown my mind and I no doubt you're going to make the hugest impact in this world. You're going to help so many people. So I really hope you just realise how fucking amazing you are and you're making me feel emotional now (laughs) i just think what you are doing is so powerful so important and i just want you to realize what impact you have on this world and the importance this i don't know whether you believe in god or spirit whatever is just channeling you to be the best version of yourself to heal this world in a way that not everyone can understand so thank you well thank you for giving me the opportunity to to come in here and, and talk to you anytime you're welcome back so if you've got anything coming up you jump on here you let the women know how they can better themselves heal their world and just make them live a better life absolutely thank you so much thank you